You guys want some cookies? 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 Welcome to the garage and welcome to another edition of the Throwback Podcast. My name is Dan Hansis and I'm joined as I always am by my bosom buddy, Bobby Castron. Hey, Bob. Hey, Dan. Happy anniversary. Happy anniversary. Yeah. How about that? You ready for this? Uh, Yeah. I know you have no concept of what we're doing. I know that the second we leave the garage, you forget about everything that has to do with this podcast. Everything's right so far. Maybe part of the reason you don't promote it. Mm -hmm. It's been two years this week. That we started this fucking shit show. <laughs> really? Yes. We've been That's doing this two years ago. For us. This week, we sat in this garage and we did Oasis's Be Here Now. And look at us now. Two years ago. Did That's you th- surprising. <laughs> Why is that surprising? I mean, I would never have thought we would have been doing it two years later. What is this? We're in our... 77th or 78th episode, I believe, right? 77th episode. See, now, if I was not plugged in, Bob, on the show, how the fuck would I know that? You're kind of like a Rain Man savant <laughs> with numbers. Like, you could just, as bad as you are at math, you could still throw out numbers in a really weird way. So right. that's how. Like, I know to get to Mike Tyson and punch out is 0073735963. Exactly. It's but been if implanted I, in my brain since 1987. But if I gave you a calculator and asked you to add those numbers, forget it. I'd just punch the calculator and run and pee my pants. <laughs> You'd eat the calculator, and shit myself. put two pieces of white bread around it, and just eat it like a cartoon. <laughs> so. Yeah. So two years. So happy birthday to us. Happy birthday to us. Are, are we going to keep doing this? What's the deal? Who knows? <laughs> First of all, I think we've successfully, we shook off all the lawyers. You know, everybody coming after us. Uh, well, Define shook off. <laughs> we juked him out. They were after us. We kind of did a little juke. We left HeadGum. Everybody was like, here are the lawsuits. But then we left. Well, they, HeadGum famously Absorbed. absorbs yes. all lawsuits connected to the Throwback Podcast. And then we, I think we decided after we left HeadGum. By left, and does that company still exist? By, by left, you mean thrown off of HeadGum? <laughs> Do they still exist? Is <laughs> yeah. that still an operating I Entity, and I'm not even being bitchy. A little bit bitchy. You're but. being a little bit bitchy. I'm sure they're squeaking by without us. Okay. Um, we kind of, I think, we're operating under the idea that since HeadGum and the two of us created the entity together, it, it fell under some type of grandfather-type uh, uh, clause scenario where they would continue to absorb mm-hmm. any potential litigation and financial losses therein. That that's the legalese that you've uh, stated in this podcast is correct. But for you to say that we've shook free of any lawyers, we have just not reached, and we have a loyal audience that we're very grateful for. But we have not reached any level of, in terms of like a cultural imprint, to the point that would allow us to be on the radar of a IMG or you know a Sony Music or what have you. At this point. Now, the bots at this very moment are crawling. And bzz, yeah, they're bzz, everywhere. Sunny, they angel, are everywhere right now. But, of course, we couldn't have uh, UMG, by the way. No, that was right. Just in case the bots Universal missed it. Music. Okay. Yeah. Um, bzz, UMG. We, we wouldn't be here two years in without our Patreones, right? No, that's not right either. Uh, because no, we they didn't be. enter the picture for a year or so. But it's the reason the show still exists is that's because of That's what I'm saying. The reason we're here. Yeah. We would have but given two up. Two years ago, you said. The, the language was a little bit off. <sighs> you fucking dick. Oh, God, you're so unlikable. <laughs> Why are we doing this? I don't know. 
Uh, <laughs> go on, Bob. But that was a good setup. Patreon.com slash throwback pod. Keeping us alive. We have so many great uh, Patreonies. We're up to like 200 Patreonies. Uh, stellar. Stellar, including our top tier. We have a new sponsor. A new really? top tier sponsor. I'm uh, excited about this. It's uh, Courtney and Wyatt. They're celebrating their 10-year anniversary. They're banging? Courtney, they definitely are because they have two kids and twins on the way. At least, oh, at least three times. <laughs> at least three times. But as a 10-year anniversary gift, uh, Courtney got the sponsorship for Wyatt. And that is <laughs> a good wife. A great wife. Who makes questionable decisions with their money. Yes. Especially with four kids. Right. Well, but, she doesn't realize it yet. No, Once but she we hits are, for, They'll drop the... Uh, when Wyatt hears this, I don't know if he knows yet. He's going to be like, what the fuck are you doing? I work hard for that, but it's okay. <laughs> it's okay. Thank you. That's very important. I think the to the top level Patroni... We love all our Patronis. Of course. But the, the, the at the top tier, we like them just yeah. more. Yeah, Bruno. That's, that's Bruno, who day one became our first top tier sponsor. Bruno still sponsoring us. Bruno the sponsor. And still every other week we go and we meet up with Bruno and we give him hand release. Right. As per the agreement. Yeah, it's in the Patreon bylaws. <laughs> yes. Only only Bruno was the one that actually caught us on that yeah. legalese to say, hey, page 14 of the contract, need hand release. And for $80 a month that he's giving us, it costs us a lot of money to fly to Canada to jerk <laughs> him off every month. But Not to mention the, the tremendous emotional fallout <laughs> and impact of both giving a man hand release and also essentially cheating on our spouses uh, on some level. No, it's not. It's not cheating if you're doing it for money. But then it's just prostitution. Right. That's level, not. Right? That's something totally different. That's true. Yes. That's true. Um, all right. So back in the garage. Yes. Uh, you know, I talk about a lot, by the way, Bob. I mean, this is Stone, Pe- Stone Temple Pilots Night on the Throwback Pod. Mm-hmm. Speaking of two years, we've been talking about doing this album, Purple, for about two years. Yeah, I can't believe we haven't so done it. So it's time. It's, it's time. almost fitting. Uh, 25 years after the album came out and two years after he first said, hey, we should do purple, but don't do we fucking idiots and losers. Um, but uh, at this very garage, which I have many times, Bob, had said, has said, I've said, let's burn this fucker down. I'm going to burn it down. I've you threatened have. to burn down mm-hmm. uh, a garage that I do not even own. I'm a renter here for five years. I'm counting, which is depressing in its own way, um, <laughs> as a 39-year-old father of two, uh, married father of two. But... Um, we had a bit of a near disaster, Bob. You know, sometimes you like to get upset about when I mention that I read things. Well, it's not that you uh, mention it. The yeah. way that you sort of like try to sneak it in there, right. like, I read. Right. I'm, I'm trying to drop you hints. I want you to become more well-read yourself. And if I continue to throw these things out there, right. maybe we could start working on the, a different wavelength. Together. If it counts for anything, I don't believe that you read these things. I believe you just collect <laughs> these books and you look at them. And this was not a book. This was a, a journalism deep dive in the New York Times about... Remember when we were oh, living... Oh, you definitely don't have a subscription to the New York Times. I do. I got it from free for free from our friend Brian. Oh, damn it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that checks out. Uh, remember when we were living in Hollywood in 2008 and there was the big fire at Universal yes. um, Studios and uh, we were so close that it was in the air. You could smell it. It was kind of a total disaster. Mm-hmm. It was 10 years ago um, or 11 years ago now. Uh, right around this time of year. Anyway, the whole story is about how the fire, which Universal kept under wraps for years and years and years, destroyed the entire master catalog, um, this building that had the masters of hundreds and thousands of artists that you'll never hear a lot of songs. What are you doing? Taking my shoes off. Gross. 
It's the same thing with an airplane, Bob. You don't take your shoes it's off. Two years. Yeah, it's fine. We're two years in. This is like a marriage now. <laughs> anyway, um, uh, all of it went up in flames, and it's a really sad story that, that Universal had successfully kept hidden for 10 years. This equipment that we're using, Bob, we almost lost it this past week. What? Yes. What? I had a babysitter here who flipped a switch in the back corner of the front corner of the garage. Uh-huh. And it violently sparked. And then uh, the sparked enough where it actually put a hole in a water pipe and sprung a leak into the garage, which I don't know how the fuck that happened, oh but it God. did. It led to me racing home and tr- trying to figure out how to shut off the water supply of the home, which I found, which was kind of another Well, when you're a renter, dad victory. Not, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, anyway, and then I had uh, the handyman, again, renter, come by here and said, yeah, the babysitter said she flipped this switch. This was on Sunday evening. And I hit the switch and a fireball basically shot up where my hand was. And um, he ma- made some adjustments. And I'm not saying he made the proper adjustments. He just made adjustments to shut down that area of the garage. What I'm saying is this place is a ticking fucking time bomb. <laughs> and the joking about burning it down, it's going to burn itself it's down. Real. And that might be when we talk about how much longer we're going to do this. If this, if this garage burns down for any reason, yeah. and we lose our master tapes in a way, well, then the podcast is over No, as well. that's fair. I'd be so mad if a babysitter burned it down because you, you've earned it. You've rented this for a long time. I have. I've been paying that every month for 12 months. But uh, here we are. The garage stands as, as currently uh, at this point, so I'm happy about that. Uh, so let's get into it, Bob. Let's do it. Let's have some fun. Last time you heard from us, we did the uh, PLJ countdown. Save the station. They're still on the air now, right? No, definitely not. It's, it's the one thing we didn't talk about uh, was that it was actually when they flipped the switch at like 9 p.m. that last <laughs> that last night, mm-hmm. it went to a like a Jesus Saves radio station. Mm-hmm. It's like a, a hardcore Christian station that will not happen to this podcast. If this if we get the lights shut out, mm, well, I don't know. Maybe I'm looking for something. That could be uh, you know a lot of people make money in the in the realm like the yeah. preachers. Yeah. I feel like you'd be viewed with some level of suspicion by the uh, the Christians. I the do Baptists. love I do love Christian rock. Do you? Those guys want to fuck Jesus <laughs> so bad. It's so fun to listen to. Um, all right. So what was I saying? What were we talking about? WPLJ. Oh, WPLJ. Um, we kind of just uh, prattled on and on. And it's not. Let's get to the business today. Let's talk about Stone Temple Pilots. Bob. Okay. I mean, we've been uh, prattling. already eleven minutes in for this. <laughs> it's a lot of prattling. Show. Um, so, uh, as I said, I know 25 years ago, 25 years ago, this month, the album came out June 7th, 1994, 10 days later was the famous Dan June 17th, 1994. Kurt Cobain. Nope. Not Kurt Cobain. Above that garage ended <laughs> uh, an entire generation's uh, innocence. I, I say famous cause there was an incredible the towers came down. documentary about it. Uh, ESPN 30 for 30. It was the day. Of the O.J. Simpson car chase. Right. The New York Rangers victory parade. Yep. Arnold Palmer's final round. Who of cares? Golf and game five. That guy, I, remember, I love, that's my favorite 30 for 30. Yes. But they really kind of, you know, they shoehorn the Ar- Arnie Palmer. I know, Palmer. they really do kind of like, one more thing. Like, no one cares. Yeah. So that was uh, that, was that month. That you was left great. something out. And the Knicks. I started and saying the Knicks, the Knicks but yeah. then you went off on Arnold, I mean, poor, Arnold poor Palmer. Arnold Palmer. Uh, I think we lost Arnold somewhat recently. I think we did. Uh, great beverage, though. Yeah, I'm more of a lemonade guy than an iced tea guy. Yeah, fucking piece of shit. This show's <laughs> over. 
I guess it's good to cut it with something. Also, uh, that month, two albums, two days after this album came out, Lisa Left Eye Lopez burned down the fucking house of Andre Risen. Yeah, for cheating. So speaking of burning things, for cheating. And yes. It, you know, we in the news um, this week, David Ortiz, the Red Sox legend, was shot, and all the tabloids and different reports coming out of the Dominican Republic are that he was shot because he was banging a drug lord's like wife or, or oh, girlfriend. Oh, yeah, well, but you, you get shot for that. Now, I, mean, I mean, that's what you get shot for. Not to get too off track here, but Dave, I mean, I know he's a god in the Dominican Republic, but people get shot for looking at drug lord's girlfriends. Right. If, if you're going to be porking one, you know, taking your man gash out, Taking that Unzipping old, out. the old Ortiz Schwantz, the big poppy stinger. <laughs> Gross. Uh, you're going to get shot probably in the back. And we hope David's okay. But um, Andre Risen made a similar mistake in that if you are married or dating Lisa Left Eye Lopez, mm-hmm. rest in peace, mm-hmm. if you're going to cheat on her and she's going to find out, just you got to assume you'll either be shot in the back or your mansion will be burned down. Well, I learned this. Uh, she actually set fire to his shoes. In a uh, bathtub, right? Uh, and then it, and then it, it spread. lost control. So yeah. it was a bit of an accident. <laughs> Which is awesome. <laughs> Which is amazing. She's burning all his Bruno Molly shoes. And that is your babysitter. Uh, movies that came out that month. Wyatt Earp. Little Big. It'd be awesome if the ghost of Lisa Lefty Lopez <laughs> was babysitting your children. She's busy. Little Big League. The Lion King. And Speed. Oh, Which, I mean, this Keanu sans, I don't want to be like, don't rain on the Keanu. I don't want to rain on yeah. it because I fucking I'm a part of it. It makes sense. I'm so happy. It's about good. It. It's good that it exists. But everybody needs to stop before it becomes annoying. I don't think that's going to happen. Though. You don't think so? OK, but no, you're right. I don't blame him at all. He's awesome. What is well, how did this happen, by the way? I don't know. Wait, we're about to we're about to just meander and talk. About yeah, but I, I, this is important because I do. I am a little bit fascinated by it that. I, well, John Wick 3. Everybody loves John Wick. John yeah. Wick's perfect. So that's kind of where it starts of like every dude just being like, John Wick's the best. Then he did that Ali Wong comedy. Yeah, but that seemed like it was kind of just blown up for the purpose of Netflix. And they, they're kind of just tagging along on that. That didn't feel like natural. Playing you know himself, I mean? kind of like poking fun at himself. Yeah, He's doing Bill and Ted again. So that's I'm ha- Yeah, this is great. And yeah. Speed was um, a badass movie, number one. Badass movie. Uh, and also the source of my the greatest compliment. Now you know, Bob. I didn't have much luck in high school uh, oh, in I know. terms of uh, you know having a girlfriend and stuff. Uh, but I did. There were um, there was a period there in 1994 when Speed came out, where I got a haircut, and one of the more attractive girls in our grade said I looked like Keanu Reeves. In wow. Speed. That was basically the high point of my high school experience. You were like Keanu Reeves' pieces. Okay, well, that's okay, Bob. Yeah, it's not no, the best. That is, that's actually real bad. Not but, my best work. Um, yeah, so the Keanu Sans, we're both in, but I think we both have reservations. Yeah, let's just be careful about it. Okay, what else? That's it. Number one song, uh, not the number one uh, pop song. We're gonna go Can back. Keanu Reeves' pieces, like I get, yeah, it's like Keanu Reeves. Keanu Reeves. I know, I could get it. Like the pieces. 
like if if it's a funny like fat dig, it's fine. But it's well, you weren't even stretch. you weren't even fat. It was just kind of like you probably Keanu Reeves doesn't eat any Reese's pieces. We're gonna he, get into by the way when we get to one of these STP songs. Um, another person uh, that's connected to an STP song that connects me to who I wanted to be, okay, but never was. That's great. But we'll get there. Speaking of who I wanted to be, the number one adult contemporary song again in honor of WPLJ. The number one adult contemporary song when Purple came out was this Madonna banger. Not a banger. It's, it's more a like banger. a banger. You know, like a, one of her <laughs> I'm banging slow jams. You know, banging the, people kind of sleep on the Madonna slow jams that they she do. put out with great regularity and success for about 15, 20 years. Here's one of them. I love this song. so good at these like these kind of almost mm-hmm. tossed well people were writing the core she was just very good at choosing songs these kind of ballad slow mid-tempo to you know mm-hmm. uh, kind of adult contemporary songs that when people look back now at madonna you don't really think about these songs that she had but she had right. like she actually put out an entire i don't know if you knew this Bob. An entire greatest hits package of just these songs. Did not know that. Called, you are you are my only Madonna source. Yeah, so if you was, didn't tell me that. I don't know it. The, it was a compilation called Something to Remember, and it was all kind of like these slow jams uh-huh. she did. Do you remember uh, what soundtrack? I was going to ask you the same thing with honors, starring everyone's favorite third choice for a leading man, Brandon Fraser. Yeah, and uh, is it Moira Kelly? Moira, that's right. Get a moment. Was Pesci in this too? Yeah, Pesci was playing like the role Robin Williams said no to. That's right. He was, I think he was homeless. No, are you sure it's the same movie? Maybe. There were like eleven of these movies around the time. Uh, Pesci pretty much squandered his Goodfellow slash My Cousin Vinny slash Home Alone heat. That was a lot of heat. You can't squander. I mean, all that he heat. was he was on fire. Uh, but then, basically, the window between My Cousin Vinny. In 92 and Casino in 95, mm-hmm. he did roughly 405 terrible movies. Yeah. He Remember was, the one where he was like the super in the apartment, which probably I is think that was the highly super. problematic. Wasn't that the super? Probably if you watch yeah. it now. I, I don't remember. I never saw it. Did a lot of bad movies. There were a lot of movies like that, like The Super and The Ref with Dennis Leary. Just a lot of movies where People like, will put on the cape for The Ref, though. No. People love The Ref. Really? There's a, yeah, there's definitely a cult. Following for the rest. Fuck those idiots. <laughs> uh, oh, I like this part. Should we, two years in, kind of just transition into soft rock <laughs> adult contemporary? <laughs> just go for it. Just look, try to get the mom market. Yeah, we're barreling towards forty. Let's do it. Um, we can. It's not. I mean, it would make sense to transition at some point. So there you go, Madonna. I'll remember. Theme from the motion picture. Ooh, it's the theme. Ooh. Not just on the soundtrack. With honors. Yeah, I think you're right now that I think about it. It was Joe Pesci slumming it for the Oscar, yeah. playing the, the the homeless guy who is the smartest guy of all. Mm-hmm. I never even saw the movie. Never but, saw yeah. it. He teaches Brendan Fraser about life. Yes, but that was one of those 
early 90s music videos where it was Madonna in like a studio somewhere doing her thing and then just intercut movie clips the whole way through. Yeah. So I feel like I saw the movie through that. Yeah, you could. And that was still like late period request. Mm-hmm. It probably showed up on your request, too. And we had it on our scrambler box on yeah. a repeat for a while. And I would plug into anything Moira Kelly was doing. So she had a nice run. Here we go. Oh, yeah. Stone Temple Pilots, Purple, their biggest album, starts with not quite a bang. I'm also not going to say a whimper. Not a whimper. I like this. Uh, it's But it starts with the unfortunately titled Meat Plow. Yeah, why is that such... Hearing you say that, it makes me... It makes my balls just kind of go like... Meh. Like, what's wrong with that word? I feel like it was a bit of a, maybe it was a red herring, but remember the last album, Core, they had that song about the date rapist. Remember that one? I am, I am, uh-huh. I want to get next to you. So is that sex type thing? Sex type thing, which was, you know, kind of um, the type of stuff that Kurt Cobain hated as Stone right. Temple Pilots uh, because of, and Eddie Vedder also. Everyone hated STP. That was a part of that you had whole to. era. Yeah. Uh, so then to follow it up with your next album opens up with a song called Meat Plow. You, you think, oh, is, are they just writing all songs about rapists now? Meat Plow just has, has a bit of a rapist There's a demo. They're it. just trying to corner the date rapist demo that, you know, Limp Bizkit went on to get eventually. They were ahead of their time. That Limp Bizkit did it in a very organic way. <laughs> You're right. Like they just, they created music. <laughs> they that really the, spoke the to The date them. rapist just yes. gravitated toward. <laughs> they weren't appropriating date rape culture. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, anyway, so Meat Plus starts Purple, and I just want to say about Purple, uh, debuted at number one on the Billboard 200 charts. It remained there for three weeks, sold over six million copies, wow. had three huge hit singles, and um, I mean, I don't think either of us are you know hardcore STP heads, but I think we like like them. We both like them, uh, like the artists, but. I don't think they ever topped Purple. No, I don't think they ever topped it. And I think we liked them to the point that we were all in on this genre of music. And this album was the next exciting album to come out. And I think I know I got it the first week it came out. I wasn't like camping out at Tower Records the night before, but within a week I had it because I feel like it's surprising. I feel like six million is even a little bit of a, a low number because well, this is like one of those albums. I felt like everyone that was into rock slash alternative rock in this era. You just had Purple. The one thing I remember about Purple is before it came out, Spin Magazine gave it a terrible review. Mm. And if do you remember back when Spin, they didn't do numbers, they did colors. 
I guess because they wanted to be like different from everybody else. Yes, I do. So they had like yellow, orange, red, green, whatever it was. It it gave it the worst color. Probably red. That's like the stay away. That's like the dumbest phrase. It gave it like a really bad color. (laughs) Uh, No, it gave it like the worst review they could and just like tore it apart. And it's one of those where I bet if you pull up Spin Now, they have like the retroactive review. Where it's like four and a half stars, a totally influential. Especially after Wyland died. Yes. All of a sudden, there was this reckoning where all these artists and all these uh, critics that kind of reviled the band, mm-hmm. you know, and destroyed them, and kind of sided with Cobain and Vetter and all these. There was a little bit of a ganging up on STP in this era, right? Um, now, all of a sudden, they're viewed as this you know great rock band of the 90s. But they weren't. That's not how they were presented by the media at the time. No, the critics went after them. And you know what? These are the same critics that fucking didn't like Nevermind. And now when you look at Rolling Stone, you know, Rolling Stone gave it, what, two and a half stars? Three stars. Three stars. Yeah. Now it's a five-star album in retrospect. No, you cannot erase your past Rolling Stone. We know what you did. Yeah, and we and Peter Travers, movie critic, we know what you said about Corky Romano. Yeah, we you know. You can't take it back. You can't, can't take, take it back. back. You were wrong. Fucking Travers, we're coming for your <laughs> fucking, corner. Fucking travesty. <laughs> See, that's better. Buddy. Thank you. I'm getting better. <laughs> You're on track. All right. I mean, how could you take issues with a band that could deliver a single? Vaseline, the second single released off Purple. Um, we talk about it uh, with certain albums that we hit on the show. Albums and songs that were so big and uh, important and popular uh, 20, 25 years ago that they still are in regular rotation to this day on any modern rock station. Vaseline is one of those songs. Oh my God. Fucking still sounds great. It's awesome. I still love this. And it's short. It doesn't fuck around. Gets right to it. And that bass is, like, incredible. Had a cool video, too. Love that, like, aesthetic of, like, the jar with oh, the yeah, flies yeah, in yeah, it and yeah, everything. Yeah. And this uh, also... Jars of flies were really big in the early 90s. There was something about it. There was something gritty about yeah. flies in general. Um, also, this was in Rock Band, Bob. Very difficult to play. Dun 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 yeah. dun. Yeah, uh, the bass line in this. Yes. I remember struggling with it quite a bit. <laughs> uh, anyway, this is uh, definitely one of their biggest uh, songs ever. It kind of reminds me of like their daughter, where it's like a, a simple song. Like daughter is a very kind of simple Pearl Jam song that people just really held on to. 
And this kind of has that same feeling where it's like you said, it's quick to the point. It's easy to just put on and know what it is right away. And just it's fucking great. Uh, during an interview with Greg Prado from songfacts.com, Bob, uh, Scott Weiland confirmed that the key line in the song came from a misheard lyric. His parents put on the Eagle song, Laughing in the first lane. And Wyland thought they were singing Flies in the Vaseline, <laughs> which is amazing. Was Wyland doing heroin when he was a child? He probably was. Um, I mean, I, one thing about Don Henley, you could get on Henley's, Henley's ass, but that man was a clear, concise vocalist. Do you have any misheard lyrics that you held on to for way too long? Uh, I think we all have. Yeah. I, I'm trying to think uh, any that stand out. I'll, I'll but, tell you my favorite yeah. while you think. Uh, a writer I worked with, a comedian, Emmy Blotnick who's hilarious. She just had an album come out when she was a kid. Come on, let me plug my friend. That's fine. All right. When she was a kid, uh, she thought life is a highway. Check out, check out the podcast. I gave you a nice little plug. Life is a highway. (laughs) She thought, you know, life is a highway. Yeah. For whatever reason, as a kid, she thought it was life is a nightmare. (laughs) Life is a nightmare. (laughs) And that makes the song so much better. (laughs) All right, I'm with her. Yeah. Hey, go buy her album. Go buy her album. <laughs> she got me. Uh, <laughs> Life is a nightmare. I want to ride it all. I can't uh, listen to that song without thinking of that now. It's better. Yes, the opening of MTV News. That's right. Hey, play it again. Play it again. <laughs> play it again. I was ask you. Do you remember this? Oh, yeah. Kurt Cobain is dead. <laughs> oh, where's John Norris? Where is he? Where is John Norris right now? They should, he should be wearing ankle bracelets. I think I unfollowed him on Twitter because he was boring me. All right, there we go. This is Bob is Right, Loungefly. The third track on Purple was used for years uh, for, what was it? It, it was, was their. The, it was the intro to MTV News. It was like, then like the, do, 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 like the typewriter. Oh, with the, yes, the yes. font from the typewriter with the uppercase news. That's yep. right. And uh, that I've never actually heard this song or anything. So I'm we'll sure you heard it, but you probably forgot. Yeah. Yes! <laughs> <laughs> Kurt Loader, where are you, bud? Kurt! Cobain was found above his garage. Candlelight vigil in the park nearby. <laughs> Courtney Love is consoling fans. Candlelit vigil. This is great. Loader nailed it though, and I'm just gonna assume that Kurt Loader made all decisions. No, uh, he was the he was the boss. Yeah, both editorially as the um, the face of MTV News, but also just putting every you know clips together and right. sound drops and things of that nature. The best part of the song is definitely no. The whole song is good. Stop. It's the best. It's a great song. Yeah, but they nailed it. It's like oh, let's clip this off. Well, this was the song too. In the context of the album, this is the one. I think he says something like, I want to fuck, I want to kill you. Like, there's like a fuck in there, which again, when you're like 14, you're playing this around your family, 
it was a little scary playing this one. It was scary. Yeah, because he says fuck. Were you? What was going on with you at the house when you were um, at this point fourteen, almost, you know, fifteen years old? Almost. You don't. You had to worry about uh, the lyrical uh, content. I don't. Uh, fuck yeah, of course. I talk about it on the show that I basically found music when I was a teenager. It was so personal that. I had just hid in my room and listened to it and mm-hmm. didn't want anybody to even know what I was listening to. No, I mostly did that. I didn't try to like get my sister who was two years younger than me to like STP or anything or, hey, mom, you got to hear Lounge Fly by uh, this heroin addict. I didn't ever do that. But if it was on like and she heard the fuck, it would have been like, what are you listening to? It would have become a thing. It would have been on a radar. Yes. Red flag. Right. Although STP maybe. In general, not known for a lot of that. I don't know if they ever had like a parental advisory sticker. You probably were. No, that's why I'm saying that one song was the one that stood. I I just remember that moment. I like that, Bob. I love that. I want to almost find the MTV News thing. I might do that a little later in the show, Bob. But let's move on now. Uh, I got to say something, Bob. What we're about to hear. This is, I mean, this is big, Bob. We've been in the garage for two years now. And this show, while we hit many decades, uh, we're a 90s alternative rock podcast at our roots. That's what we're all about. That's really what we are. Uh, So if you drill down to that category, uh, if you were to ask me what is my favorite, like, alternative rock banger, if I had to pick one, it might be track four on purpose. You know I love Eddie Vedder and Pearl Jam, but Eddie Vedder, I don't know if you ever wrote a song that was this good. Oh, he so absolutely Just did. shut your mouth, Vedder, he and stop. absolutely did. Get off Mount Pius and just appreciate what Scott Weiland pulled off here. That's all I'm saying. I don't want to be disrespectful. Bob. Scott Weiland took a wild three that went in. <laughs> I mean, I heard the song a trillion times. Same thing with Vaseline. Somewhere in America right now in a modern rock station, Interstate Love Song is playing. And that's fine because this is... It was released, and as soon as it released, it was released. It was like a classic rock. Was this the hit. first single or no? Uh, this, I feel this like this the, came later, right? Uh, third single. That's what I thought, yeah. Vaseline was second. Big Empty was first. That's right. Uh, which we'll get to in a little bit. Uh, but... When he he died, Scott Weiland, I think about three years ago now, right? No, I think it was longer than that now. Was it? I think so. Um, whatever it was. Uh, this was, I remember, being pretty bummed and 
you know, although it wasn't a surprise, obviously. It's amazing he made it as long as he did. Yeah, the guy was such an addict. Uh, but after he died and watching the news on CNN and stuff, he died in December 2015, so four years ago, sure. Um, so basically, I nailed it. Fuck you, Bob. Um, four, four years, four years. But uh, this was the first video I pulled up on YouTube, and I was, I was like, ah, oh, fuck. Because it just, this yeah. is definitely a a signifier of that era of our life when this band basically ruled the world. Yep. This was the number one song on the mainstream rock charts for 15 weeks. Could have been longer. I mean, it was never not on the radio. And it was never one of those songs you got sick of. I don't know what it is about the song that it doesn't... There's nothing annoying about it, top to bottom. It's such a great riff. The riff is incredible. And I love that his voice is great. His like voice, everything, everything works in the, the song. harmonizing with. Uh, I think there's two brothers, the DeLeos, I believe they yep, were. Yeah, that sounds right. Uh, it, it just it's a perfect. It's a it's a fundamentally perfect uh, rock song. Got that cowboy hat at a time when the only thing you would say is, "I like all music except country." Um, <laughs> he was just wearing a cowboy hat, and you're like, "All right, right. I'm, I'm down with this." In the weird video, that's the video I think of most for them. They're running around on rooftops, and there's a guy that with a long, like, Pinocchio-type nose. Like sepia tone. Yeah, very sepia. Uh, Wyland, a very a good-looking rock star, that was peak Wyland. I, he never looked cooler than he looked in this video. Mm, to me. I think he got a little hotter a little later down the line. He was, like, super hot around, I think, Vatican gift shop time. So how long have you been fucking guys, Bob? <laughs> <laughs> when, when, did this al- when did this album come out? I believe it's been 25 years. There Bob. it is, 25 years. Fucking of dudes. Men. You know what? Uh, and it's fine, Bob. This is Pride Month and everyone's <laughs> excited. Uh, uh, but I had no idea that you've been having gay sex for the past uh, 25 years. Almost three decades. 25 years. Well, <laughs> the you better were part of three decades. Maybe that's why you had all that trouble in high school. I went another direction. You were just getting laid constantly <laughs> in like, you know, bushes. Only and guys that look parks. Like, only guys that look like Scott Weiland, though. So it was not easy because he was a very good looking man. Yeah, a teenage Bob Castrone was not banging guys that look like Scott Weiland. <laughs> no, they were banging a teenage Bob Castrone. All right, here we go. Let's uh, move on. Still remains track five. I feel like there's a good song in here somewhere. Well, this sounds to me like what they eventually became when they were getting kind of lazy or maybe he was just too stoned to make better music. I like this. Like this takes me back to like this kind of sound from the early 90s, mid 90s. But that later like Sour Girl STP, mm-hmm. it was kind of this. And it was never anything but this. Right. Which is why. A more kind of mid-tempo. Little... Right. Didn't have the same excitement to it. Right, which is why I think like we were out by the time that album, four was it, that album? Like, yeah. We kind of weren't paying attention to them anymore, and America wasn't paying they attention to them They didn't really have the anymore. songs anymore. I think right. Sour Girl ended up being one of their biggest um, 
chart hits, but... Well, that's because Sarah Michelle Gellar was in the video, so... She was. Yes. She was, that's right. Um, and maybe we'll talk about it at the end of the show, because um, I don't think we're going to do core. And we're certainly not going to do songs from the Vatican gift shop, but... It took us two years to do Purple, so... Yeah. Maybe four <laughs> do years... Do the math. <laughs> we will do... Yeah, we'll do song... Dot, 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 ellipses, songs from the Vatican gift shop in about 2000... 36? Yep. So. yep. And it's only so we could listen to Big Bang Baby. And then we'll do the Thelma Louise thing and just drive off a cliff together. While we're listening yes. to it. Yeah. Uh, that still remains. But I, there are some great songs on the follow-up album to this, but I think as the record has it, by the time that album showed up, and maybe the an indicator was that the album was called Ellipses Songs from the Vatican Gift Shop. Right. Um Wyland's heroin use had gone next level. I think that's when he just started getting arrested constantly, mm-hmm. and you, know, you were every every time Loader was on with the a lot right? of up, lot of updates about I Scott Wyland. Do a little Loader for me, Bob. Wyland just checked into rehab. That was it. Give me a little Loader. <laughs> I can't. You know we've talked about. I don't Bobby. do impressions. I know you don't do impressions, but how do you do an impression of Kurt Loader? You have to have a, a certain amount no, you have of to have gravitas. Like a gravitas. But he's not like, he's not Walter Cronkite. He's fucking Kurt Loder. To us, he was. <laughs> he kind of was. I mean, in 1995, who was a more, a, a man you trusted more? Let me give you some options. Tom fucking Brokaw, loser. Nah. Dan Rather, eat a dick. Eat a dick, rather. <laughs> Peter Jennings, fuck you. Fuck you. Kurt Loder. Yeah, Loder. Take me through it, America. Loder. Tabitha Soren. All of them. See, I put Loader on a different plane. Oh, all that was all Loader's minions. They no, wanted, no, yeah. they were Loder coming the for Loader. He was the yeah. Tom Brokaw, and then everybody else no. was. Tom Brokaw couldn't fucking fart in the direction of Kurt Loader. <laughs> you know it, that wasn't even permitted. I don't know what that would mean. If he, anyway, let's move on. Pretty Penny. Oh, I know this banger. Here we go. This is a good album. Yeah. Just like as an album, this is really good. This was released as a promo single, and I'm not... I don't know what the difference is. This got some X-107 plug. It did. It was definitely like... um, Because there's... According to Wikipedia, there was only three singles officially released, and Mm -hmm. this was not one of them. This was a promo single, but it definitely was the song that if the your area modern rock station wanted to play STP, right. they wanted to be a little outside the box, like X107, yeah. which was a Westchester County-based uh, station with a very weak signal, yes. as I recall. Uh, they were the ones you I put would, Pretty Penny on. They were the one I would call all the time, like as a kid. <laughs> it was, was a great station. It was easy to call. It wasn't like K-Rock where you're like, oh, that's in New York City. You could just call X107. Right, you could. And they'd just be like, hey, what's up, man? <laughs> yeah. Uh, I remember the bumper sticker had some legs in the area. It was X107, Today's Rock. 
Ooh. It's just, that's it. That was it. And they right did a, the I remember they did a promotion over at the Ruby Tuesdays at the Nanuot Mall. <laughs> as and one does. As one does to really make an impact in Rockland County. We and interviewed at the Ruby Tuesdays for a job. And I think we both decided, even gave, as like 19 year olds, it was too depressing to work there. Wait, were they the ones that gave us the big test? No, Red Lobster gave us that big test. Do you remember? There was like Not Red Lobster. It was the upscale um, legal seafood. Gave us the big test. Where it was like a hundred questions. Yes. Yeah, that was way. And we both gave up halfway through and left. <laughs> like, the fuck, let's go to Fridays, bitch. <laughs> we are Fridays, guys. And Fridays is like, yep, you're hired. <laughs> when can you start? Put on these suspenders, losers. <laughs> I had never worked as a server or a waiter. And I just wrote uh, our buddy Greg's uh, mom's business, Pizza City. I just oh, yeah, I worked at Pizza City. The yard! Yeah. I, deliver, I, de- I delivered one pizza for Greg's Pizza Place, and then that was the number one thing on my resume. What uh, What were you saying there, bro? I can't remember. It was about, oh, I, Ruby Tuesdays, there was an X107 promotion where they were giving out CDs, and uh, you had to like do something crazy, like run into the mall and yell, like, I love X107. Oh, so I, no, don't do it. Bro. I did it. And I got the Presidents of the United States of America CD. So I kind of remember that. All worth it. You could have. Was there a way to not do it and lose your dignity for a local? I was like 15. What dignity do you have when you're 15? Come on. (laughs) Dignity is actually not needed at that age. It's actually not. It's not recommended to have dignity. Mm -mm. Uh, Pretty Penny, by the way. Again, that's a that's a good one. And we're gonna do our um, our playlist. I call it the Apple Music playlist. Or the Spotify playlist Apple, where every Spotify. week we pick one song from the album to add to the ever-growing Spotify This would be playlist. like the like the radio stations, the trendy pick. A little too trendy for me. Yeah, uh, and it's also a little too dark uh, after reading this. According to Scott Weiland, this song was his last desperate attempt to prove to himself that he was not a drug addict. His heroin addiction later became a huge problem for oh, the band no. and led to two hiatuses. I call it hiatai. <laughs> That's what you should call it. All right, here we go. Next track. We're now in more familiar STP territory with Silver Gun Superman. this too this is nice i like like this i like it i mean it's so 1994 this is grunge music yeah this would be a song that if i was a teenager and was listening to the entire album over over and over again i would you know signal this one out as yeah i like those songs those singles but Silver Gun Superman is the song. But STP for me, and I think you too, they were never the band that you listened to over and over again. No. Like you bought the album, which was a big deal to buy an album because you had to spend 12 to $15 to commit to this album. And you listened to it a lot, but this was never one that was like, 
on repeat the way like Versus right. was or Dookie or these like different albums of the time. This was one like you Throwing on, Copper. Throwing Copper. Secret Samadhi, obviously, like the classics. Right. Right. This was one that you put on and you liked, and you eventually listened to all the songs a handful of times. But there was nothing cool about being like the world's biggest STP fan. No. So you weren't. Well, yeah, I don't remember a lot of. I don't even remember a lot of kids wearing STP shirts. Uh, there was that, because they um, used the, what is it, the Motor Oil logo? Yep. They kind of were associated with that. They had a T-shirt that was pretty popular. But I only remember like one or two kids actually getting behind STP as their band. Mm. Everybody kind of got, you know, everybody put the cape on for Nirvana and Pearl Jam. Uh, I had a Pearl Jam shirt. I don't think I ever had a Nirvana shirt. We we both got, I think, the same T-shirt when we went to see the Recovering the Satellites. We were the only Counting two people. Crows. We were the only two people with Counting Crows T-shirts. Did we coordinate to make sure we didn't wear them on the same day? No, it was always a risk. You it know, was, by the way, it was a risk in general to wear a Counting Crows T-shirt to school. So, well, it was a more innocent time when it actually wasn't that frowned upon. Well, it was kind of cool that we went to a concert. We did. Yeah, not everybody Cake went to concerts. Yeah. Uh, all right, there's Silver Gun Superman. Not bad. Pretty good. Enjoying this album just fine, but it's also not opening my eyes um, to, you know, a lost classic. It's kind uh, of what I'm expect, uh, what I've expected to this point. I don't know that MTV News song. That was pretty special. Takes things to the next level. Which takes us to the uh, first single and a song that Bob you you may remember showed up well in advance of the Purple album. Mm. Uh, so let's listen to it. It is of course a big. Mm. Let me also say, Empty. a song I fucking hated. Now sit on that thought, Bob. Let's get back to it in just a minute. Okay. Although we have time because the song takes its fucking It just time. fucking drags on, so we have plenty of time. <laughs> Great chorus. Though. Okay, let's listen to it. Driving faster in my Good grunge rock, Bob. I love the song. That thing I said right before the song started. Mm -hmm. I was thinking of a different song. Oh, come on. <laughs> a lesser man. We've been doing this for two years, Bob. A lesser man wouldn't have admitted to that fault. <laughs> a lesser man would have dug... Oh, you were thinking of uh, Creep. I was thinking of Creep. Yeah. A lesser man would have dug in his heels and <laughs> pretended to hate the song. But no, I'm a big man willing to admit I made a mistake. I fucking and willing love to song. point out that you were a big man. I'm a big man. 
Um, yeah, this is Big Empty, and uh, it's got an interesting little history. So uh, we talked about Madonna, the With Honors theme. This song was, I don't know if it was officially known as the theme, but what film was this connected to, Bob? The Crow? Yes. Yes. It was a big hit. Uh, it was a single on the Crow soundtrack. Uh, and and that came out before Purple. Uh, and what happened was, Bob, this was actually originally recorded um, as part of their MTV Unplugged in January 93. Okay. Uh, it was not put on that uh, live special. They they kept it off it. I guess because mm. they knew they had a big one on their hands and yeah. they wanted to save it. Uh, but then when The Crow came out and the soundtrack was, MTV was trying to move the soundtrack, they started playing the video of that big empty performance. Remember while it's sitting oh, in the yeah. rocking chair? Totally, yeah. And uh, uh, that was the only video for the song, was the unplugged performance, and it was fucking monster. What a huge hit. What's the better unplugged move? A, rocking chair. B, funeral procession. Or C, writing words in Sharpie on your arms while you're performing. Which one would you do if you were an unplugged artist? Uh, they're all they're all nice moves. I like them all. It was Vetter was doing the birth control thing. Mm -hmm. Or no, it was pro-choice. I think so. Wyland in the rocking chair like an old heroin addicted, smack addicted old lady. <laughs> Liked it. <laughs> Kerba Cobain. Uh, cardigan funeral. Cardigan yeah. funeral. Well, the most iconic one of is course. obviously Cobain. So I'll just go with that. Okay. But I, I don't know. It's a kind of a random thing. I mean, I I believe in the I like that they all right brought something. Choose. I like that they all is brought something. Is that what you're something. trying to get to? You want to have a debate about no, I know human that you reproductive don't, I know rights? You don't, I know you don't really believe that. Um I like that they all brought something different to the table. Like, they were all like, this is unplugged. You got to do something. Scott Weiland was like, I'm going to do heroin and sit in a rocking chair. Yeah. You only, the only person that chooses a rocking chair for a, a concert is a guy that's smacked out of his mind. Right. Uh, but this is a great song. It was also used, the Crow soundtrack, MTV Unplugged, also the Numeric Pigeons, our uh, short-lived... Weird Al inspired uh, <laughs> band that we ran. Um, I referred to it earlier in the show that there was another person like a Keanu Reeves that I looked up to. Remember the kid that we wrote the song about? And if you don't know, if you're new to the show, Bob I, and I, 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 I hate talking about I this. Know, so it just, much. I think it's important. It's definitely not. It's not important show, uh, to be always open with our audience about who uh, we were as teenagers. But Bob and I uh, started a band. Uh, quote unquote band called the Numeric Pigeons, uh, play on Counting Crows. How cute! And what we did is we took popular songs of the era and um, wrote new lyrics. Uh, it was kind of a burn book, like if you remember in Mean Girls, and it was just like trashing different people uh, as the subjects of the songs. So we basically cribbed the melody, from but from the song. a fun, from coming from a fun place. Well, I don't know about that. Uh, and then we would uh, put it to a tape. We would record ourselves singing over these songs in the background with the new lyrics. And we released one uh, album entitled Amish and Everything After. Oh, my God. And uh, this song uh, was retitled Big Pretty. Yes. And it was um, uh, it was basically a complete series of cheap shots against this kid that was one year younger than us. 
which is already sad that we're yeah. going after a younger kid. And it was big, pretty. It was like, uh, you know, in, in Fight Club, when uh, Ed Norton caves in Jared Leto's face and he says, I just wanted to destroy something beautiful. Yeah. Uh, this this particular student was just like, not only was he like a better looking guy than us. Yeah. You know, um, he just never did anything wrong to us. And we wrote the song about he, he's just like a pretty boy piece of shit. He also um, he played the bagpipes, which only in Pearl River, New York, is something that people find attractive. Like the girls, oh, the girls loved it. Girls loved it. Only in a town that's like ninety five percent Irish does that get you pussy. (laughs) Playing the bagpipes. So anyway, that he was the subject of one of our songs, and always I always thought that that was it was always kind of untoward the entire idea. But when you look back on it, it was that it was that kid like getting heat from us. For no other reason that he was just better looking. Than oh, us. there was another reason. Why? Yeah, you're forgetting. You're forgetting a very, Ooh, a very that... petty reason. Oh, let's hear it. Well, my uh, my ex girlfriend, my ninth grade ex girlfriend at the time, who is a listener of the pod. Ex girlfriend. Yeah, we dated yeah. for three weeks. It counts. Uh, Did you touch her boob? First kiss, first kiss, in a treehouse. You were there. Um, not you were not my first kiss. I, all was. I could hear was like muffled cries, like no, don't do it. That was me. Yeah. I was so little. No, <laughs> <laughs> um, no after we uh, broke up, she was into him, mm. and you know this was a way for me to kind of lash out at this younger, better looking kid. <laughs> and as I recall, like the girls that I was into at the time, they were into him as well. So a lot he of girls just were in. was right. The kid never did nothing though. I regret nothing. I could have it fucking coming. Don't play the bagpipes in front of my ex-girlfriend. <laughs> He's playing the pipes with the ex-girlfriend. Hey, hey. hey, here we go, unglued. Oh yeah. By bagpipes, I mean he was fucking your ex-girlfriend. Oh. This is a great song. All right, I have an announcement. Yeah. I'm an STP fan, uh, but not like a diehard, but I know a lot of their songs just because I like this genre of music. This is my favorite kind of off-the-radar STP song. 100% with you. All right, let's keep listening to it. It sounds just like Stone Temple Pilots, but I think I, because it did get played on radio stations, I kind of feel like I thought this was a band that sounded like STP. I don't know mm. if I ever actually connected the dots. Thought it was like Seven Mary Three or something. Yeah, like some bullshit like that. This is nice great. The Leo guitar. guitar solo here. Very nice. This is a great album. You know my boy. Um, you know my boy. I bring him up every show now. My you, have so, you have so many boys. <laughs> my favorite critic in the game. All music, Stephen Thomas Erlewine. <laughs> he calls Purple a quantum leap over course, showcasing a band hitting their stride. Is that what he said in 94? Is he only saying it now? Dude, STE was always on point in the moment. 
Don't raise the music. Like if somebody, I'm not, I don't want to be a dick about, but I feel like in the garage we tell the truth. If I was approached by Headgum, they said, hey, we want to get back in business with you. Uh, we want to, you know, when they ra- you got Rachel Dratched. You remember when Rachel Dratch was supposed to be the star of 30 Rock and they were like, no, no, no. Nice. I mean, Rachel Dratch is nice. I was swallowing when you said that. You know, like, You're going to fucking dratch me? Yeah, I'm going to dratch your ass with Stephen Thomas Airline. If Headgum, who are the guys that run Headgum again? I'm not telling you. Those Fuck guys. you. If they ever approach me and said, let's, let's reboot the show, we get Stephen Thomas Airline in there, get Bob out of there. <laughs> oh I'd say, yeah, God. dratch his ass. You're going to fucking give me a drink. Me. Give me the Jane Krakowski to Bob's Rachel Dratch <laughs> no. on 30 Rock. Oh, my God. And if you don't know, Rachel Dratch was supposed to be on that show. And NBC was like, Tina, we like you. And Dratch is not going to be make it up? Will you make it up to me like in a decade and give me a shitty Netflix movie? Yes, I will. Oh. I'll give you a, a podcast. <laughs> no. I don't. Oh, my God. I can't believe I'm Dratch. Good thing there's nothing I worry about less than HeadGum coming back to you. <laughs> yeah, I think you're probably safe <laughs> on that count. God, I can't believe I just got Dratch. All right, here we go. This is the penultimate track on Purple. Army Ants. I got a feeling this has got mid-album filler written all Late over. Late album filler. Here we go. Picturing like Liv Tyler dancing on the roof of Empire Records. Right do, now. do all of these bands do that thing? Every every band did it back then, where it's like we're gonna start a song off with like twelve seconds of noodling mm-hmm. to fool them, and then Bang. we'll hit them with the fucking guitars. Like yeah. like we're not gonna know that that's what's coming next. That is that was a very popular. Yes. Yes. reminds me of that little chorus going into this it sounds like a red hot chili pepper song only anthony kiedis would be just rapping nonsense right now and then it would go into that nice little chorus yeah i could see that although i won't deal with this kiedis hate continue to spew there's no kiedis sans coming anytime soon i can see it I could Probably. see it. I could see that happening. If anything, they, they might go the other way. All right, here we go. All right, it's fine. It's okay. Fine. Last song. Or is it? Bob? No, it's definitely not. It is not. But it's the last listed song. Yes. Kitchenware and Candy Bars. The title of a song that only a heroin addict could come up with. <laughs> Two things I like here about 
First of all, tight 11 tracks. Yep. Every album should be 11 to 13 tracks. Number two. Wait, you're up to 13? At the most. Okay, I thought we topped out at 12. At the most. Okay. But um, no, you're right. 12 is the ideal for me. Okay. 11 is fine. 10 is too short. 13 is a little too much. Got it. Anything over is a disgrace. Disagree. Uh, uh, the other move I like, I like when a, a band ends an album on a bit of a lull slash reflective moment. Fun fact, you've said that for 77 straight episodes now. <laughs> I told you, you're right, but once I walk out of this, uh, this garage, I'd never think about the show. Oh, really? Is that what you yeah, like? For weeks later. I've like um, suggested doing Be Here Now every week for about two years now. (laughs) No, like literally a month ago, you texted me that we should do the yeah, yeah, yes. And I was like, we did that. (laughs) Please, do you remember one thing about that episode? Not a single thing. All right, that's that's the song. It's not that very good. But there is a gap. It's nice. Okay. Bob loves it. It's Bob's favorite song ever. It's my favorite song ever. Uh, But there is then your classic 90s move. Yes, get ahead. This is one of my favorite hidden tracks. I have a little bit of a nugget connected to it, too, Bob. So Good. Let's, let's I don't know it. anything about it. Five minutes. Oh, there it is. Okay, here it comes. You ready? Yes. The second album. <laughs> Twelve precious melodies worth listening. Hope you enjoy them. Like if it's sung to me. <laughs> this is great. Wait, 12 Precious Melodies, was that the name of like a like a compilation no, album? It's, or set a, it, it's set it on the back of purple. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Ah, that's great. Good callback. Dancing soon. Entertain on the <laughs> Obviously, this song was not performed the vocal by Scott Weiland. It's some guy named Richard Peterson, uh, who happened to be a fan of Johnny Mathis, who he's aping here. Uh, it, the hidden track is called My Second Album. It's a parody of most hidden tracks being unorthodox songs that a band wouldn't usually make. Yeah. I like that. Well done. That's, that's having fun with it. It's having fun with it. It's hidden. It doesn't count. Just have fun with it. Uh, well, a couple minutes before we pick uh, the song to add to our playlist, I want to um, ask you, Bob, what is your favorite STP song that is not on Purple? Well, I'm going to go forward. I'm not going to go back to core because there, there is a world where we do core sometime before 2027. Wait, no, we're not doing core. Uh, Big Bang Baby. Yes. Great song. Really cool video. Kind of a, a video ahead of its time. There, yes. The kind of... 80s renaissance that occurred in terms of 80s pop culture uh, and and the wedding singer with Adam Sandler and Drew Barrymore and then a whole host of different things through the years. But I remember when that, that video came out, Big Bang Baby. I think they probably shot it like 60 FPS. It looked like real. Like it, looked, it had that look of like a camcorder. They nailed it. It had that um, perfect aesthetic. It's just- Until. 
There was so much hype uh, coming out of Purple and into... Oh, I'm sorry. It's not just songs from the Vatican gift shop. It's Tiny Music Ellipses. Yes, that's it. Songs from the Vatican gift shop. Heroin. Hell of a drug. Um, that, and when this landed as the first single, I'm not sure people know what to make of it because it's uh, a little bit of a weird song, but I, it's definitely... I love this. It would be my pick as well. Yeah. Uh, but An- another song to go back and uh, listen to? After the uh, DeLeo brothers were fucking done with Scott Weiland, right. they made a band called Talk Show. They like went off and did this. Right. They have one song called Hello, Hello, which was like a minor alt-rock hit back then. Hello, hello. It's one that I uh, stumbled on recently, and it it's really good. It just takes me back to like X107, yelling in shopping malls, those sort of like lesser-known early 90s mm-hmm alt rock songs so i recommend that one too do that and uh, my choice would probably be big bang baby but i'll throw out another one off vatican gift shop that i liked quite a bit oh yeah another good one. one of the worst names for any song in the 90s i wonder if it actually held it back a little bit tripping on a hole in a paper heart kind of has a little bit of a it's a different sound so it's not derivative but it has a little of that interstate love song yeah it does vibe to it let's listen let's go. this is a great guitar solo later in the song great song all right we like STP. We do. Sucks. This was Sucks fun. That, uh, another yeah. dead lead singer, which we feel like we've been bumping into that a lot recently on the show. We have. Well, we keep on hitting 1994 albums, yeah. celebrating 25-year anniversaries, and they're all gone now. Now, I think we have... All we have left is Ed Qualchek and Adam Duritz. Thank God we have them. <laughs> Put them and Gavin Rossdale. Yeah. Uh, all right. I, I'm throwing this one to you yep. to pick a song for the Spotify... And Apple playlists. Yes. Um, I'm going to throw out two options, I think, because I think that there's two ways we can go. We can go with the iconic right. song that we never got sick of, Interstate Love Song. Sure. Or the underdog, the extreme underdog, Unglued. And it's up to you which way you go. We're on the same page. Um, I, I don't want to... Disrespect Interstate Love Song, which I've already professed as being one of the great songs and one of the definitive grunge rock songs mm-hmm. there is. But I feel like especially coming off uh, the last song was what? Walking in Memphis or something? Oh, no, we're, we're coming off uh, Come to My Window by Melissa Etheridge. Really? Yeah, drinking a lot. No, no, I want to come over. Sorry. I want to come over. Melissa Etheridge was getting fucked, whether oh, you liked was, it or not. Yeah, she was getting forked yeah. pretty hard there. Um, so I want to give a, some, some real nuts, especially that, you know, and that's great. Again, pride month, <laughs> Etheridge was bumping, you know, some gash bumping going on there. Gash to gash. A proud outed lesbian woman. <laughs> um, well said. So let's get some, you know, uh, Bob, you're going to be at the straight pride parade in Boston. I know, uh, later this summer, despite my 30 years of fucking dudes, <laughs> as you so eloquently put it, I will be. Let's put on some like dude grunge rock. To yes, I'm Etheridge. into it. Let's do it. 
All right, Unglued is the uh, latest uh, addition to the Throwback Podcast playlist, which, yes, you can get on Apple Music, which is the number one streaming service now in this country and in or the world. Or Spotify, the better one. Or Spotify, uh, if you want to be kind of part of the past. That's your decision. No, you make that part call. of like the underground, like this podcast. Yes, Spotify, very underground. Um, we will be back next week with another show, so check it out. Uh, follow us on Twitter, at ThrowbackPod. On Instagram, at ThrowbackPod. Is Dalloway still updating our Instagram? Barely. Barely, okay. But we've given I mean, him... We don't pay him. We've so. given him nothing in two years. Like, barely even yeah. a thank you. So I don't blame him one bit. Well, thank you, Eric. Now get back to work. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the throwback pod at Gmail, if you want to hit us up. Uh, and maybe next week, Bob, we'll, we'll do some uh, iTunes reviews. Patreon.com slash throwbackpod. Five stars on iTunes. And tell us why you love us. Ooh. Or hate us. That's fine, too. That, that works, too. Till next week. Yes. Yes.